Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com. That's right. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Happy hump day to you. Wednesday, middle of the week, downhill slide to firearms Friday from here. Except, of course, there will be no Firearms Friday this week. I know, I know, I know. Uh, tomorrow, in fact, will be the, lo- the uh, last broadcast day of the week as we get ready for um, uh, as we get as we get ready for the holiday weekend. I am taking Friday off. So those of you who are waiting patiently for Firearms Friday, we will get a chance to. Um, uh, we will get a chance to uh, talk a little bit about guns and stuff tomorrow, so expect that to be uh, happening a little bit tomorrow. We'll probably also get uh, deeper analysis uh, on the budget and some other things as well tomorrow, because today we got a lot of stuff. we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, for reals this time, on Monday, <clears throat> if you recall, back all the way to Monday, here just two days ago, um, I screwed up on my uh, scheduling, and I accidentally had thought I had double-booked um, Elijah Verhagen and Chris By. Turns out that, no, I had actually booked them correctly. I had just misremembered who was going to be where. So Chris By was already ready for today, and I thought he was going to be on a Monday. Anyway, Chris By is going to be here in just a few moments, and we're going to be talking with him. He is the uh, Libertarian candidate for U.S. House. Um, he's, um, running a, a writing campaign for the, uh, house seat, uh, and the, uh, special election and the primary and everything else. And if you'll recall, I reminded you that he was my candidate of choice for the primary because it's the primary. You get to vote who you want to vote for. Strategically, I'll probably be... I'll probably be changing my vote strategically to make sure that the person that I think will do the most good will get in. Um, but uh, I really like what Chris had to say, and I look forward to uh, I look forward to having him uh, come on board and talk with us this morning about all the issues that are going on out there. So we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have that chat with Chris by this morning. Uh, and uh, in the first hour here, and we will see what he has to say coming up on hour two. Uh, it is Wednesday, which means that uh, our normal guest should be here again. Fingers, I, do, I can't even, I'm not even going to make a commitment to getting it right all the time at this point. <laughs> because, you know, with Monday's uh, kerfluffle, and I'm like, Chris, uh, or uh, uh, Mike Shower said he was going to be here, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he said, yeah. So Mike Shower should be here an hour or two. And if not, hey, you know what? We'll, 
we'll do it live. Forget it. We'll do it live. It'll be uh, it'll be fun. We'll we'll um, we'll continue in on that. Uh, and then, like I said, tomorrow we'll be doing some. Um, <clears throat> Uh, tomorrow we'll be doing some talking about some of the firearms issues and some of the firearms news and uh, also uh, maybe some dissection of the budget, which is going to be the uh, uh, which is going to be uh, part of the discussion this morning from the headlines. So let's uh, let's get into it, shall we? So Governor Mike Dunleavy um, has, uh, uh, you know, got got together yesterday and produced a budget. Um, and we're still kind of dissecting it, still kind of going through it and seeing exactly what, uh, people are talking about. Um, the, um, you know, the initial reaction, James Brooks tweeted yesterday that the initial amount of savings was going to be 52.5 million. Um, uh, Donna Ardwin told me that reading the details, she say it's about a hundred million, Although, of course, all the presser material <clears throat> and the uh, and the newspaper reports say that it's going to be about four hundred million in savings, um, and uh, you might say, "Well, why are there such disparities on everything that's going on?" Well, because it's you know the way they account for it and how they how they track it and where they put things and everything else. Um, so it's going to take more than just a hot second to be able to figure most of this out. Um, the uh, last that I got from Donna was, I calculate that Dunleavy's final budget spends about 18% more than Walker's final budget and 29% more than Dunleavy's first budget after he reversed most of his original reduction. So not the, not the one that caused everybody to rend their clothing and call for the apocalypse, but the one after that, after they had all settled down and put money back into the budget, 29% more than his first amended and completed budget. So, I mean, at some point you got to be like, well, who do, who do you believe? I mean, who, you know, what? I mean, what, what? Because you get, you get, you get big panels like this. This is the, uh, <clears throat> I'm looking at the pamphlet that was handed out. It's a it's a little PDF that was handed out to uh, the press and to the public at the press conference yesterday, talking about this, um, talking about uh, 3.5 billion plus in savings that will be deposited into the savings, uh, 1.6 billion deposited into the constitutional budget reserve, but only uh, again. If oil prices remain in the $110 a barrel range, will they deposit that? They won't do that. If it drops under, if it drops 100 then the deposit into the CBR goes away. Uh, if it drops more than that, then they'll take the $1.2 billion deposit into the higher into the uh, K-12 education fund. They'll take that away. And then you just as you work your way down, the stuff just starts to disappear and everything else. Now, on the good side, uh, I guess we could say that this is good. The government... Excuse me. The governor said that he will. Uh, he has signed the dividend and the uh, energy relief payment into law, and so the payment will be the largest in state history, which is thirty-two hundred dollars to every eligible Alaskan, um, which is projected to put over two billion dollars into the economy. The interesting thing here is, uh, at the very end, it said Governor Dunleavy 
will announce the PFD distribution date soon, which leads you to ask the question, what? Uh, yeah, so it looks like, and some of the Democrats, it was reported in the ADN that some of the Democrats are already uh, calling on him to do so, that he released the dividend early as he did in 2021 um, after the uh, you know the pandemic hit. Uh, he released the PFD early that year. And so um, it looks like he may be considering that as well, which would mean that <clears throat> potentially we could be seeing the PFD sometime if history, you know, it, it could be sometime next month. Um, with the new fiscal year starting on um, starting on Friday, uh, it could be as early as next month that we could be seeing that $3,200 per Alaskan uh, in regard there. He also highlights public safety, uh, authorizing new state troopers and public safety officers, um, uh, funding to hire criminal prosecutors and support staff. He talks about critical infrastructure projects, including repairs to the Port of Alaska. Um, he wants to invest in a new deepwater port in Nome, um, upgrades and improvements for multiple airports, funds uh, for repairs and bridges statewide, uh, pay off the oil and tax, gas tax credits uh, once and for all. They want to just pay it all off at once and invest in the marine highway system with new vessels and new maintenance funds. Again, this is a 10,000-foot view of some of the things that he is uh, purported to be uh, pushing for uh, in his new budget. We will have a deeper dive into this for sure because, again, the numbers are just not quite jiving up with everything that we're seeing. Uh, they are going to spend $117 million dedicating it to education, including the Alaska Reads Act, where they make sure that all students can read at grade level by the end of third grade. Uh, they're going to fund a new public pre-K education program. It's going to increase increase the BSA, which I think is exactly opposite of what we've been advocating for here on the program for a long time. Is <laughs> We need to decrease the BSA and open up the student formulas and things like that. But, uh, you know, all right. Uh, he's going to deliver taxpayer relief for local taxpayers by funding school bond debt reimbursement. Okay. Um, enhancements in the student loan program and more research as well. Uh, they're also investing more in broadband technology. Now, <clears throat> I don't know, this is a lot of the federal monies from the CARES Act and some other federal monies that are all mixed up in this. The whole entire budget, by the way, 14 point, I think $4 billion. $14.4 billion. You do the math on that for 770,000 Alaskans. Um, anyway, up to a billion dollars anticipated for Alaska to connect all Alaskans with at least a 10, uh, excuse me, a 100 megabit internet services. It establishes a new office, a new bureaucracy. Oh, joy. A new state broadband office opening July 1st. Replaces the K-12 public school in Napkiak, uh, threatened by erosion. Funds the PCE with $48 million, $117 million for village safe water, $265 million for airports, $2.1 million for ice roads, $175 million for the port for the port of Nome, and then navigator grants to AFN for federal infrastructure grants. And then we've got this page here, which I'm not even going to go into, but let me just say that 
they're trying to, I don't know if it's an apples and oranges comparison. It's the cost of government basically showing that in the operating budget versus inflation that they're actually spending less with inflation. Uh, and then the operating budget, excluding education and public protection, um, they also have spent million. They, they say say they're spending over six hundred million dollars less uh, in all that. I, <clears throat> well, we'll see what happens. Anyway, the governor's saying it's over four hundred millions in savings via vetoes in the current budget. One point one billion in vetoes over four years. That's what that's what he said. Paying off the oil and gas tax credits, their credit rating is uh, positive or stable. They're they're said their borrowing power is up, and uh, they've got the operating budget in check. The operating budget is in check, excluding education, public safety, and paying off the debt. I mean, excluding education, the second largest item in the budget. Except for that, the operating budget is in check. So don't worry about it. Don't worry. Well, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. This is gonna, this is gonna take some real dissecting. I can tell you that right now, it's gonna take some real dissecting, and we're gonna have to get deeper into this. Hopefully, um, tomorrow we'll have to talk with, uh, uh, we'll have to talk with Donna and see exactly what uh, if we can get her to come on and and come in and and talk about this, because I think by then she should have a little bit. She's been kind of giving me a running commentary on some of her thoughts on this, little snapshots of it. Uh, two or three or four little shots here. Uh, so maybe by tomorrow she will have di- dived into it enough to give us a little bit of a better idea of exactly what is real and what is not. I mean, again, I hate this idea of she counts $100 million in cuts, the governor touts $400 million in cuts, then says that he's actually spending less than he was, $600 million less than he did in the first year, and, uh, you know, okay. All right. Let's um, we'll see we'll see what happens. All right, uh, we're up against the break. We got to go. We're going to continue here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Chris Bai is coming up next. He is a candidate for U.S. House, Libertarian candidate for U.S. House. He's going to be running a writing campaign for the special election, and we'll see what his plans are for the general primary as well. We'll get back with more. Um, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more and Chris by right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. <clears throat> well, that was a, a bunch of stuff, wasn't it? Uh, let me go back here and see. Maths is hard, says Brian. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um. Where's the Trump's Still My Man segment? When have you ever heard that on this program, Harold? Are you just talking to hear yourself talk? I, I'm just asking because when have you ever heard on this program, Trump is still my man? What? Um, 
Palin censored in Southeast. Yeah, I saw that. We talked about that yesterday. Um, obviously, believe that handout. It's the party-approved truth. He's talking about the PDF that we were just going over. Good morning, good morning. Uh, Brian says, wait, the same people who don't want us to have a dividend now want it distributed early? Yeah, I thought that was an ironic twist. Alaska Senate Democrats immediately called on the governor to disseminate the payments for the PFD immediately to help address high energy costs. <laughs> okay. All righty then. Oh, man. <clears throat> good job. Good deal. Oof. Um, yeah, I was just like, and got, and, and Dunleavy's quoted, he's called his budget plan a great budget for Alaska. $14.4 billion. 14, with a B. $14.4 billion. Persistent frog. Persistent frog in my throat this morning. All right, um... What is that per square mile, says Brian. Alaska reads is good, says Donna, but the legislature amended the bill and allow for social promotion of kids who don't read at grade level. Oh, of course, fantastic. I mean, the one thing that the bill was really purported to do, and of course that was to, uh, you know, was that was to get <clears throat> all the kids reading at grade level, and now they're like, well, sure, they can read at grade level, unless, of course, we got this social engineering, in which case we just pass them on anyway. It just doesn't matter at that point. Um, can you get Donna Ardwin on so she can expand this mess? Yeah, we're working on Donna for, um, I think we're going to, we're going to, Donna's in the room right now and I've been mentioning it all week and she and I had talked about her coming on after the budget was released. So <clears throat> I'm thinking that, uh, tomorrow we have Donna on the program in the uh, six o'clock hour, uh, six, 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 24. 66624. Oh, that's the evil time. All right. <clears throat> I asked Charlie Pierce yesterday if elected would he hire Donna Arduin back, and he said yes. Well, that's assuming, of course, that's assuming that uh, Donna Arduin wants to come back after being treated so poorly in Alaska to begin with. Donna loves us, and we appreciate her. I'm just saying, man, I'd be a little gun shy at some point. I mean, she could go someplace where she's appreciated. <clears throat> instead of here, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Looks like we got Chris by on the uh, on the blower right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, good morning, Michael. How the heck are you? You know, it's uh, hump day, and it's a short week for me, so I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, overall, I'm, I'm not doing good. too bad. Operating. Good, good. Operating on most of the cylinders this morning, not quite all of them, but most of them. So that's a that's good stuff. You ready to dive into this? I am. Okay. I am. All right. Um, we will. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to turn you down for just a second because apparently I got my this 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 pot is super dirty. Uh, hold on. And that's better. Okay, that's a little bit better. Um, um, just trying to make sure that I don't uh, blow anybody apart there with my, uh, sorry. Hopefully I didn't blow your eardrums out with that one. All right. Uh, we're coming up on it here. We're about 30 seconds out. Do me a favor. If you would like and share this video, that would be fantastic. Um, um, feel free to... Um,
feel free to like and share. And don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube as well. Trying to get to that uh, 1,000 subscriber mark out there. Uh, we will continue with Chris By. That's up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming back in for this beautiful Wednesday morning. I guess unless you're up in the interior where it is like a smoke-filled room. It's like the old legislative days back in the back where it's the smoke-filled room where they're making the deals, except it's everywhere. It's outside and all the fires and everything else. Anyway, it's still every day above ground is a good day. Uh, Welcome back to the program. Coming up right now, we're going to jump into it with our first guest, who is uh, uh, my one of it was my favorite candidate for the primary, Chris By, uh, Libertarian candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives, to fill out the remainder of Don Young's seat, and of course uh, we'll also talk about the upcoming regular primary, which is happening on the same day, and get his take uh, on that. It is. Chris By, where you can find him at the website itstimealaska.com. Good morning, my friend. Welcome back to the program. Good morning, Michael. How the heck is Anchorage in the Matsu today? Well, you know, the Matsu's fine. I, I can see Anchorage from my house, but I don't I don't need necessarily need to be there. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm not doing too bad. It's uh it's a again, every day, at least my grandfather used to say, every day above ground is a good day. Doesn't matter if it's raining, snowing, global thermonuclear war, whatever it is, as long as you're above ground. Well, I guess in the case of thermonuclear war, you probably should be below ground, but you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, Well, you know, you mentioned it earlier, right? Yeah. yeah. Fairbanks is pretty smoky right now. And you have to wonder where all those PM 2.5 fellers are hiding out at right now. Exactly. Well, I had to laugh about that. And for those of you who don't know what Chris is talking about, in Fairbanks, they've been fighting air quality issues for years. And they've been having a shootout with the EPA over whether or not people could actually heat their homes with wood stoves. Um, And people, it's become kind of a point of... uh, it's almost like a sagebrush rebellion. I don't know if we call it the the pine tree rebellion or the black spruce rebellion or whatever, but uh, people have been fighting back. And uh, but I remember I was talking about the haystack fire back in 2010, 2011, or maybe yeah. that wasn't the haystack. Maybe that was the next big one. Anyway, it was so bad that a friend of mine had a handheld ppm meter. He had been doing some monitoring work for the borough. He walked into the studio with the meter and picked up. It was like 1,300 parts per million in the studio um, with the with the monitor. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just, it's, you know, those are, it's never fun when the summer's like that, but uh, it is, uh, it, it, it's crazy stuff. Um, yeah, you know, I, it's, it's interesting about that is, you know, come wintertime, I know a number of folks are going to be pretty fired up should they hear from those smoke police, especially with the price of heating oil right now. Oh, Yesterday. Yeah. We drove by uh, on our way out where we help at a camp just north of town. And on the way out, it was five bucks a gallon for heating oil. Yeah. I mean, everybody and their brothers are going to be burning wood and smoke. These PM 2.5 fellers are just going to have to move out. That, I mean, that's about or shut up. Yeah. 
you know. Well, well, I remember back in 2008, 2009 when heating oil spiked back there. I think the highest I ever paid was $5.89 a gallon for heating oil, and it about killed us. Um, You know, you got to go fill a thousand gallon tank, and the next thing you know, that's not even going to last you for the whole year, and you're, you know. Definitely a tough time. Well, Chris, you know, let's uh, let's dissect a little bit here about what's going on. Sure. So the so the primary, the jungle primary for the special election, is over and done and decided. And of course, we had our ups and downs and our surprise surprise. Al Gross is out, and now we're down to three official candidates for the general election. And um, you and I talked, and I'm like, so what's going on? And he said, well, you're going to run a write-in campaign. So so let's talk a little bit about this now. Are you still, you're entered in, you're, you're running for the special general election on August the 16th as a write-in candidate. Are you still remaining on the ballot for the regular primary that's taking place at the same time? What, you know, give us, d- oh, disseminate yeah. some yeah. of this stuff for us Heck here. yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we didn't we didn't enter this race based on the chance of success. We did it because it was the right thing to do. Right. right. And ultimately, Alaskans deserve representation. And we're just not getting it from either of the two parties. And we, we laughed and joked a little bit about the PM 2.5. But as I recall, during that entire debacle, none of our Republican Actually, I guess at that time there might have been a Democrat there. No, it was all Republican. None of our Republican representatives did anything about it with with the epa not one thing it was all resting on the shoulders of fairbanks people and even then it was you know an ardent handful of us right i mean i remember listening to problem corner and some lady calling in about why don't we put up a big fan on esther dome okay you know what i appreciate your input (laughs) move along right (laughs) well i know no none of our elected officials did anything about that in fact they all sat on the sideline and it like that was one of the keystone moments, right? I'm like, okay, hold on now. I mean, right. I understand we need to have good air quality. Like, I'm we're not we're not asinine here, but I mean, at some moment, a level of reality needs to be applied to these problem sets. Yeah, no, and, I, and this absolutely. is a good one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when we lost Tammy Wilson, I mean, she was about the only person in there that would go duke it out with DEC and all these. She and right. I fought with the. Uh, she and I fought with the DEC for. Um, several years when I was on the assembly and she was in the legislature and, and you know, right. we, it, it, when, when that was all said and done, you know, what are you guys going to do? They want you right. to go back to, well, why don't you just heat with electricity? Why don't you just buy heating oil? Why don't you just do this? And we're going to send the smoke cops out to your house if you don't do, I mean, something's right. got to I mean, happen. So, so this is, this is a good reason why we keep running. Right. Uh, you know, and I, I what is really cool is when I went into the d- elections office down here in downtown Fairbanks, they didn't even have the form ready to be a write in candidate for the special election. Like literally <laughs> we signed and notarized a a different document and they just hand jammed on the top write in candidate. Because right. like we mean business. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I could annoy everybody with uh, with ads like everybody else, I, I guess, if we wanted to. But I just turn all those ads off anyway, and I'm pretty sure everybody else does too. Uh, yeah. That that being said, uh, one of the coolest accolades I think I've gotten so far, uh, we went to the Scottish Highland Games, which were a blast. Right. Uh, we had so much fun. Um, you know, my buddy Dave with uh, Bearded Brothers uh, Mead, um, it, it was just fantastic. His product is amazing if you haven't tried it yet. Uh, anyway, enough about him. So we're out there and I had us, uh, 
and I'm surrounded by vets. I'm sitting next to one of my buddies. He's eating like the world's largest corn dog. I mean, I don't know. This thing's like two feet long or something like that. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. You know, we're all sitting around wearing man skirts and eating a corn dog and there's no politicking there. They specifically asked us not to politic. You know what? And like, I'm cool with that. So we did zero politicking there. We, we went there to have fun and compete in some of the contests and throw a big honking rock and whatever dumb stuff. 400 years ago, a bunch of dudes got around all inebriated saying, oh, yeah, I bet I can throw this tree further than you, right? And so now here we are in Palmer 400 years later throwing the same tree. Right. It right. was just, it was a hoop. So I'm sitting there in my man skirt and uh, we're, we're laughing because a candidate walked by uh, who was obviously politicking. Uh, he had his entourage of one. It was fairly entertaining. Um, one of the guys next to me, one of my buddies was like, would you believe that dude sank 600 K of his own money into this race? Right. Right. And I was like, are you kidding? You know, I, cause I, I don't pay attention to that crap. I've got other things to worry about. And he's like, no, I, I'm like, you know, that's gotta be an investment. And there's a dude behind us whom we don't know, total stranger. He's like, boys, that's not an investment. That's a job opportunity. He's getting his money. He's getting a kickback. You just know it. And so my buddy, without missing a, a beat, right, was like, well, who did you vote for? He's like, well, I voted for that crazy Alaskan guy, Chris By. And so my buddy, we don't know this guy from Adam, right? My buddy asks, well, have you ever met him? And the guy's like, nope. And so my buddy, he was like, me neither. We just kept like, <laughs> I mean, those are the kind of friends I've got, right? <laughs> well, so it was, it was cool. You know, we, we, we later introduced ourselves. Um, and, you know, it was just really flattering to go there and actually meet people who voted for me, you know, all thousand of us, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I only know about, I don't know, 200 people in Fairbanks. So to have 800, 850, whatever it was, you know, come alongside us. And say, hey, I, I think this is a better direction, like really invigorated me. Uh, yeah, I know I only need another 44000 to beat the leader. Now well, that's okay. Right. But I also, you know, would have to spend another, I think at the ultimate, uh, I think I read in Must Read Alaska, some people spent almost a quarter of a million dollars oh, on yeah. this race. Oh, yeah, easily. Well, and just, yeah. hey, just so you know, Chris, you don't even have to hit that threshold, you know, to beat them, yes, but to go on into the regular election, remember, fourth place was decided at, what, 12,000, right? 13,000 votes? Yeah. So when you only need 13 times that number of votes to be able to get into the next uh, to get into the next uh, uh, general from the jungle, so it's right. all good. I mean, I'm excited. Look, here's the thing. I mean, we, we all, we looked at the numbers, we looked at the math, and we're like, yeah, uh, probably Chris is not going to make it, just based on name recognition right. and everything else, but- yeah. You're right. You ran a platform and you ran a, a, a campaign to be something and do something different, to expose people to different ideas. And it's like that guy who didn't know you but liked what you had to say. That's what we're looking for. We're trying to spread that ideal of – I mean, to me, that's what that's what the show is about, you know, is kind of right. trying to spread a third way, a third idea – uh, it doesn't have to be just donkeys and elephants. It could be other ideas where you choose right. the issues a piece at a time, right? Right. Yeah. You know, it kind of it kind of gets back to like how we problem solve, right? I mean, if we continue down this current pathway that we've traditionally followed, you get the same results every time. 
And it really doesn't matter if you've got an R or a D behind your name. You get the same results because the same party, you know, elites are running the same, you know, playbook of solutions. And so right. we're really trying to get after, you know, Alaska solutions. You know, I, I, I've, I've, my cadre of confidants is, uh, of, is steadily growing um, from all fields, from school teachers. I, I literally have a school teacher who's editing my website right now because apparently I missed an apostrophe somewhere or, a, or a, a Oxford comma. Oh, so man, the grammar, so Nazi. th- the grammar right. Nazis so are I, all over I, you on that one. Right. So I, I have a public schools teacher, uh, an English teacher who's like going through my stuff. I've got at least four or five different old Flint Hills people like helping me craft a better message to say, you know, actually UAF does produce quality professionals who can fix some of the environmental sustainable issues regarding natural resource development. Like there are systems out there where we could open up the refinery again and actually produce our own oil. Like we could do this and we not only could we do it, we could do it safely and we could do it responsibly, right? Because ultimately we want our kids to live in Alaska too. And we don't want to leave a crap hole for them. Right. So uh, you know what I'm having? <laughs> so I've got this like little gang of, of people like helping me out now. Um, beforehand it was like, Hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, somebody would tell me and we'd, I'd have to go me and a, a, you know, a small cadre of vets would go through and like figure out what's important and how to dissect that. And now we actually have like trained professionals who are like coming alongside us saying, Hey, you know what? Let me carry some of that water for you. Let me, let me tell you how, um, how groundwater can be reclaimed. Let me, right. let me explain to you exactly how, you know, oil production with horizontal lines can be done because it's being done already. It's just not being broadcasted right. or, you know, high power tension lines, you know, which is a, you know, a, you know, something being done in just about every country, including our own, but we don't necessarily use it in a uh, economical fashion. You're talking about like long wire transmission, DC transmission yeah. from like North Slope That's and right. stuff. Yeah, we've talked about That's those right. kind of things for years. It's good to hear finally somebody, you know, coming along and attracting other people's attention on this. I think that's what's going to be important. Uh, Chris yeah. Bai is our guest, libertarian candidate for U.S. House. He's a write-in for the special general election on August the 16th, and also on the ballot for the regular primary on August the 16th. We're going to talk about that ranked choice voting here in just a minute with Chris to see what his thoughts are on that. But before we do that, we got to um, we got to take a break, pay some commercials, pay some bills. People are like, I never understood why you say pay some bills. We're going to allow some commercial breaks in here to uh, promote some businesses that are promoting the show. How about that? All right, we got more coming up. Chris By continues with us. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, you can come out and join us on Facebook or YouTube. If you'd like to ask some questions during the break of Chris, we'll take some of those as well. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show if you want to go there. Back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. 
Okay, we're in the break right now. Chris By is our guest. Definitely need a refinery, says Moret. Um, I mean, you know, this has been part of the problem. Uh, you know, the, the refinery in the interior stopped making gasoline, uh, I don't know, probably close to a decade ago. Uh, they're only producing, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, heating oil and some <clears throat> some jet fuel. Um, Petrostar owns that refinery. There's also, they have a little small refinery down in Valdez. And the one in Nikiski is the only one producing gasoline for the whole state. And of course, the irony of that is, is that they will produce gas and sell it for exactly one penny less than it costs to ship it up from Cherry Creek, Washington. So, (laughs) you know, because there's no competition in the state anymore, so they don't have to try and compete locally. They're just like, yep, it'll be one cent per gallon less than whatever it costs to actually ship it up. Uh, I mean, we just we have all these natural resources, Chris, and we just don't, you know. And I don't think you're not advocating for the government to go in there and build the refinery. No way. We need to make it. We need to find some way to make it attractive for private industry to fill that gap instead of. That's right. And I think I think making it attractive is my code for saying get out of the way and you know drop some of the regulations and do some of the things that make it more attractive. It's 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 very similar to the PM two point five that we started this this segment with right where the epa comes in with this grand scheme of solving all of the world's issues through the lens of environmentalism right and it's it's not sustainable because even those jokers are using fuel even those jokers are using plastic you know petroleum-based products even those jokers are using cobalt that's you know mined by 12 and 13 year olds in congo And yet we turn a blind eye when we actually have solutions to these problems being taught literally like four miles from my house, well, I guess eight miles from my house. You know, it's just, it's a little depressing. You know, we didn't talk about this earlier, but uh, a father, a a buddy of mine, his son just graduated and his son can't get a job here in, in the uh, interior, nor in Anchorage that, that will pay off the debt that he's incurred from, uh, from UAF. So he's actually having to go down to Washington to work. Right. And that is like indicative of everything Alaska has going for it, right? We're going to pay out of our budget, like you were talking earlier this morning, out of our budget, all kinds of things were the state's, you know, financially funding. And one of those things is going to be the UA system, right? And we're going to spend a serious amount of capital on that. And then ultimately, we're going to be exporting somewhere like almost a third of those professionals to other locations. I mean, that's, that's not sustainable. So, you know, we've got to fix that. And by opening up natural resources, we, we actually can fix that. You know, those, I think some of my, you know, people that are listening, you probably heard me say this, that, that opening of natural resources and in a campaign slogan, it's opportunity for those young people, those professionals you know, I mean, I think we're down to what, 700 and, is it 715,000 or 720,000 right now? Yeah, something like that. You yeah. know, and that's a, a, a loss. I think uh, when I was stationed here in 2010, when I first got back home, um, we were at like 70, 760,000. Yeah, so seven, we're actually losing. 770, yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. 760, 770. Yeah, so I'm, we're actually losing people, and, and that's not sustainable. So right. we've got to fix that. Well, and I think part of the problem, you know, overall in the uh, keeping people here and the education and, and, and everything else is, 
I mean, this is my personal take on this, Chris, is that we've all bought into the lie that the only way you're going to be successful is to get a good education and get a college degree and do all this stuff. And, you know, that's become one of the biggest scams in American history as far as I'm concerned because, you know, oh, yeah. uh, how many people do you know who are college graduates that never got a job in their field of study? I mean, they went to college, they got the degree, and they're like, I got a degree. And then they went and did something else because they couldn't find a job in their degree or whatever. Or their right. degree was un- underwater basket weaving or something equally useless. Mm-hmm. And But at least they could say that they were a college graduate on their, on their application. And so people are like, okay, they did it. They checked mm-hmm. the box. Um, and yet these schools across the country, not just in Alaska, are all propped up by this government money. And at some point you got to realize, yes, there are definitely reasons why people need to go to college, engineers and, and doctors and things like that. But it's not a necessity for everyone to go to college. And we need to start looking at, you know, look at the look at the uh, Avtech careers and things like that, where we're, Absolutely. you know, we're missing out on some of these skilled trades and everything else. Why aren't we, you know, highlighting and sending some of these kids to, you know, rocket uh, rocket courses, you know, high speed courses in, you know, welding and driving and and all these other technical careers? Um, you know, when do we shift that dichotomy? You know, I'm totally with you on this. I, I just think about my, you know, we do a service on my furnace once a year, right? Because in those wintertime, I need it to work. And man, I won't lie. I pair Gary over, over here at Gary's Heating a pretty penny to come over and service oh, yeah. that bad boy, you know? Or, or, you know, when the well, like, got boogered up, I paid a pretty hefty <laughs> a pretty hefty uh, payment to uh, to the well service that came out to right. service our uh or well, you're you're absolutely right. We need to hold the hold the line, Chris. Hold the line. Uh, the bell just went off. We got to jump back into it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna dive into the rank choice thing here first, and then maybe we'll circle back around to this. Chris Pye is our guest, the Michael Duke Show. Like and share the page. Like and share the show. Here we go. Continuing now with Chris By, Libertarian candidate for U.S. House. You can find out more about him at his website. Even though it's chock full of grammatical errors, apparently, he says, it's timealaska.com. You can go over there and take a look at Sorry, that was a bit of a joke. Chris has got a teacher going through it looking for everything. Um, Chris, you know, we were just talking about, I mean, this is going to be probably one of the most confusing elections we've ever had um i mean every day that i if i run into people and we start talking about the election process and everything else by the end of the conversation they're just scratching their heads going man this is so i'm so confused i don't understand because on august the 16th we're holding not only the special general election for the house seat which is a rank choice voting scenario apparently on the same day on the same ballot and everything else we will also be voting for that same seat again in a jungle primary fashion, along with all the other seats that are going to be coming up. Um, and so I think, I think you know, people are going to be probably a little frustrated, a little confused. There's going to be a lot of questions. Um, and so here we have this ranked choice voting thing. What are your thoughts on the ranked choice voting situation and scenario? You've dealt with it now. Like you said, you went to go become a write-in candidate. You can't just run a write-in campaign now. Now you've got to file out the form and get approved and do all that stuff. What are your thoughts on ballot measure number two and the ranked choice system as it sits right now? 
you know what? I'm I'm still a fan of it, right? Because I would not have been on this ballot at all had it not had it not been for ranked choice voting. Are are do I expect some craziness? You better believe it. When it comes time to like uh, challenge an outcome, I, I think there's going to be some concern over that. I, I absolutely do. But I mean, I've been to Comic Con and I've went to Anch- Juno of all places, and even in Juno, I can get people to understand how to how to rank choice this. Um, I, I, what I, I don't want to dime anybody out, but th- there is a outlet right now that's like seriously anti rank choice voting. I mean, just about every couple days, this person puts out some kind of scathing rebuke of rank choice voting, right? Right. And it's it's almost as if this individual is 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 fostering dissent. Right. Setting conditions for people to complain and moan and groan, not necessarily helping the system along. I'm not normally like, let's help the government get this right type of guy. That's not me. We should just get the government out of the way and let it, you know, let things fly. But it's not good enough anymore just to complain from the sideline. And that's exactly what this individual is doing. So they're fomenting all kinds of dissent with ranked choice voting. And it's really not that difficult. Do I don't do I appreciate the days? Oh no, as a candidate, especially a you know bottom tier candidate like I am right now. No, I that day that whole day thing was one hundred percent effective for Republicans and Democrats. If you're an independent, like a real independent, not a Democrat independent, hmm. or if you're a nonpartisan, like a real nonpartisan, or if you're a libertarian candidate such as myself or maybe Mr. Myers, like we don't stand a chance on on that day. Um, even if I hit every town and village, because when people get in on the 16th and they get in that, that voting booth, like, it's just going to be a bullet vote all the way down. Right. And, and I, I understand why they did that. They say it was because it was a financial burden. Okay, sure. That is going to be challenging for some people to get through. You can vote for your dude for the special election and still put my name in for, you know, November election. Like literally you can, you can actually vote for two different people for the same position. Right, right, exactly. Um, But yeah, are there going to be problems with it? You better believe it, Michael. Uh, I'm not discounting, you know, the system. What I am saying though, is if you see an issue it's not good enough just to squawk about it. Provide, I don't know, provide an answer to it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, like one of the things that this individual has written ex- extensively about now is, um, is, is about the dark money, right? Man, I'll tell you. You didn't say one it right. Of the things, First of all, you I'm didn't sorry. say you didn't say it right. It's dark money. Okay, I just wanted to. Put that uh, out there. I apologize. Yeah, okay. I hope the English teacher isn't listening. <laughs> Okay, so one of the things she wrote about is the dark money, right? And, right. And yeah, there are some problems with that, you know. And if you if if you peel that back a little bit, there I have some privacy issues with that. You know, I've got school teachers that can't give me money because the moment they put down their occupation in their name, well, they're done. And everybody will say, "Oh, well, that doesn't happen." Well, that's bunk. It does happen. It does. The NEA okay. will come to their oh, house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's how that works. Yeah. You know, and in some states, like, you have to stop working in order to allow the unions to come in and harass you. I mean, it's just, right. like, I, I don't know. There's a better way to do it, and I'm not really sure what that better right. way is right now. My guess is privacy first. Right. Everything else last. Uh, but, you know, 
I think we should, I think we should keep an open mind about this. It's only a two year for, for my case, it's only a two year allotment, you know, uh, and hopefully those people who are anti ranked choice voting can come up with a better solution, put it on the ballot and let the Alaskan people figure it out. Yeah. I, I mean, I fully, you know, that's really what I'm for. I fully expect that probably there will be some backlash on this and I think we'll probably see, uh, my guess is, and my money is on, if I was a betting man, my money would be on that there would be some kind of backlash, and we'll probably see some kind of repeal or revocation of uh, yeah. of big portions of ballot measure number two. Let's move on to some national issues here. They've only got about six and a half minutes. Sure. Um, so, you know, obviously the budgets are a big deal. You've, you know, you've talked about how you are kind of a fiscal warrior, and you obviously want to see, you know, us live w- within our means and, and smaller, mm-hmm. more limited government. Which is, uh, you know, that's all that's all good and well. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the, the, the big thing is how do we get the both the D's and the R's on board with reducing the overall spend in the country? I mean, that's the problem. I mean, we're trillions of dollars in debt. The unfunded liability is trillions and trillions of dollars more. What's your, you know, what are your, what's your thought on that? Number one, you shame them. I know that seems petty. Yeah, well, that you—that's you, assuming that they have the ability to be shamed at this point. <laughs> I, I literally, I, literally, we are enslaving future generations, right? And I know a lot of people who are listening are like, "Oh my gosh, did you just say enslavement?" Yes, yes, I did. They—they they will literally, the little ones who are born yesterday, all six of them here in Fairbanks, they already own eighty-six thousand dollars. I mean, they are going to have to work or they go to jail or they lose, you know, whatever, whatever pay gets docked, whatever the docking pay will be. They're going to be docked their pay to pay for crap we bought yesterday. That's already obsolete. Or 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Or or 10 years ago, right? Or sending me over to Afghanistan and Iraq, right? Um, So we, we, one, we have to shame them. Two, we cannot allow the status quo to be reelected. Right. Those wieners sent those wieners are spending our money. And, you know, we 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 haven't hit it right now, but this is probably a good time. If you, you know, I'm a Milton Friedman type of fan. Right. I'm a Ron Paul guy first, but I really enjoy listening to Milton Friedman. Um, inflation is summed up in two things, government overspending and government overprinting. Like literally, that's how you fix so that's how you fix inflation. You stop spending government money and you stop printing money. Like yeah. that's how it, that's how it's done. Pretty simple. And we could fix that. <laughs> yeah. But in order to do that, we have to get rid of the political elite because truthfully they're in the same bed. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They really only one thing and that's control. And they're willing to sacrifice you and I. Yeah, you well, know? exactly. They are all willing to do it. You know, they go they go in there with the best uh, the best intentions, the best talking points, yeah. and then when it's all said and done, the rubber meets the road. They put their pen and paper to the budget and go, "There you go. We're still doing what's right for you. Don't worry about it. It's it's pretty crazy <laughs> stuff." Um, you know the uh, uh, so yeah, we definitely need to do that. And again, replacing the players is still important, even on the national the national level at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm down to the last uh, two minutes here. Uh, quickly. Sure. Uh, your thoughts on the Roe v. Wade decision and what goes on in the state? I don't know if you can squeeze it into a minute here, and then we'll give yeah, you. Yeah, that, that's pretty easy. Look, I, I'm. Uh, I really appreciate that the Supreme Court finally gave it to the people to make the decision. Like this is a, th- this is a benchmark decision for a, for a whole host of reasons. Right. But as a libertarian, it really sets this, the conditions for success when we are looking at 
dual federalism, right? right? That was where the states and the federal government are primarily on equal footing. And that went away in about 1934, 1936 with FDR. But, but this decision kind of greases the pathway to get back to where states can make better decisions for their people. Right. Absolutely. Regardless of the outcome of that. And, and like literally that, making those decisions at the local level with a local accountability is where success is. Yeah. Because then it's more responsive to us. And, exactly. and that's what I appreciate about well, that. Well, this is most supposed to be a laboratory of of uh, you know of, of democracy of of different ideas inside the republic of being able to you know states could have different laws and if you didn't like that's living right. there you could move to another state or you could change your state. That was the whole that's point. Right. Chris by uh, it's time alaska.com is his website. Uh, we'll have him back on the program here uh, in the future. But, Chris, thanks for coming on board and joining us this morning. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. And uh, Alaskan voters, the ones who voted for me, I, I truly appreciate it. It was an honor. And uh, for those of you who are like, I don't know if I can vote with a dude with baggage, and I don't know if I can vote for a lady off Fox, I'm the next guy. Like, literally, <laughs> it's me. You guys have a fantastic uh, day. Well, hold the line for a second, Chris. I'll be right back to you. Folks, we got more coming up. Mike Shower up next, The Michael Duke Show. All right, I short-circuited him there at the end, and uh, we ran out the clock because, you know, he and I get together, and it's just like talkity-talkity-talk. Chris, I wanted to give you the final bite at the apple here, and um, uh, I want to give you a final bite at the apple and give you a chance to give us your elevator pitch, which I I know is like five and a half minutes long, but I need you to concise it down. Just give it to me in three minutes, you know. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Chris, bye. Uh, You know, your final pitch here on why people should choose you or at least look at you, um, you know, for as a candidate for these offices. Let's uh, let's hit it. Sure. You know, Michael, what I would say is the his the history of making poor decisions has been well documented. Right. And it really doesn't matter if you go back to the creation of HMOs with Ronald Reagan, who signed that. He also was the guy who signed in Invicta, right? That's the Vaccine Act, which right. really prevented to, us from suing. Not to mention the FOPA, the Firearms Owners Protection right? Act. I mean, exactly. Yeah, right. You know, so that's a Republican president who limited our abilities and our capabilities. And then, you know, fast forward to the next Republican president, right? Mr. Bush. And Mr. Bush signed, you know, the, well, basically to narrow it down, the, the PrEP Act, which further prevented us from getting restitution from pharmaceutical companies. It basically was protectionism for drug makers. You know, those are two Republican presidents and we haven't even started to peel the onion back on, on the Democrats. Right. Sure. And I just think that folks nowadays have enough historical record and can Google just about anything. And they can figure out quickly that the libertarian party has had nothing to do with either one of those really poor decisions. Right, And it's time to look at a different set of problem-solving skills. So regardless of who you end up voting for, whether it be an R or a D or an L or, a, you know, a plaid or a purple or whatever, whatever you decide to vote for, at least research the dude or lady, right? And then actually look at the historical backing of those individuals, right? Look how their party has voted because when they get to D.C., we're no longer the dance partner. 
it's going to be the party elites. It's not us. And they will vote just like Mr. Young did every time to increase the budget, to increase right. the debt spending. Well, what, and, and, and we what have budget? to do it differently. And what budget, Chris? I mean, we're not really even <laughs> voting for a budget. It's just a continuing resolution to raise the debt ceiling and do something more. We haven't had exactly. an actual budget in this country in like 14 years. Exactly. So, you know, when I'm out there and I'm talking to folks and they're like, well, how is one lone voice going to change it? I would simply say I am not the last. This is not the last time you're going to hear from a libertarian. I guarantee it. In fact, I am I am like literally in the army vernacular. I am the lead scout. Like I'm the lead driver of the lead vehicle moving forward to the battle. The pathfinder. And behind right? me, yeah. that's right. Behind me is a whole nother brigade of libertarians that are coming. I mean, there's like 24 states right now with serious contenders, way more contend, you know, bigger contenders than just Chris By, who are who actually are giving people a run for their money and a run for their political vote. Right. Right. I mean, that vote is opportunity. I wouldn't say don't throw it away. Please don't throw it away. Right. If you vote for the status quo, you already know the outcome. Just look at the last 15, 20 years. That's yeah. what we're getting. Well, right? look at the last 60, 70, 80 years. I mean, that's the problem. Right? The two-party dichotomy is what's broken right now. And, and people yeah. get this knee-jerk reaction of, well, it's my guy, so it must be good. Um, right. You know, it's it's... It, yeah, it goes back to like inflation, right? I mean, this is, this can all be summed up in our inability to understand a really poor, excuse me, energy policy combined with a really poor fiscal management gives me $5 a gallon heating oil, right? right. That gives me six, uh, six, uh, $6.05 on diesel fuel. Right. You know, I mean, and that all has ramifications from how we eat to how we heat our home. Right. I mean, I mean this, it goes, it, it kind of sums it up. When I was at the Scottish games, a guy said, well, what did you expect when we started paying hamburger flippers 20 bucks an hour? Like, I mean, that, that has a cost to it and right. that cost just expands. Right. Well, it's so, not like, yeah, yes. my last, my last little, you know, sentence on this, uh, for an elevator pitch, which isn't very eloquent. Um, I would, I would simply say that. If we rely on professional or groomed politicians to continue to make poor decisions, we earned that outcome. Right. I couldn't agree more. Government is what happens to you when you stop paying attention. That's exactly right. what, what happens there. You get, it's, it's a disease. A, it's, a, it's a participatory sport. you got to pay attention because otherwise you're always yeah. going to get what you've always got. So that's yeah. 100% sure. Chris, You know, if, if, if you don't mind, Mike, uh, Michael, I, I've had so many phone calls of people helping me out. Right. I mean, they've questioned me. They've given me some really tough questions and, you know, like the lady and the husband from dot Lake or the gentleman I met this weekend at the Scottish games from Kenai, that, that interaction is what's really fueling this, this campaign, right? It's not right. money. It's that's not it at all. What, what it is, is at least getting the ideas out there. So whoever wins can take these ideas forward and understand that people are starting to watch how they're voting. And yeah. there will be ramifications like you will not win next time because I'm coming again or someone behind me is coming. Right. Exactly. So anyway, uh, Mike, well, Michael, I really appreciate it, buddy. I've got a I got a race. I got to get back up to uh, to Globe Creek. 
<laughs> thanks. Where we've got some kids. All right, Chris. Well, thanks. Thanks much. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, keep up the fight. Uh, you are the pathfinder on this. And so we appreciate you being part of it. Thank you for coming on board this morning uh, uh, onto the program. Chris By, our guest. It's timealaska.com is his website. Thanks, Chris. All right, folks, we're coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. We're expecting a call here any hot second from Mike Shower. Fingers crossed that that all happens. Meanwhile, um, that's it. It's a good conversation. I mean, I think we, we need to change hearts and minds is what needs to happen. This is what we need. All right. We're going to uh, jump into it. Here we go. The Michael Luke Show. Hour two right now. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the, uh, on the interwebs, <laughs> MichaelDukesShow.com, and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, it is The Michael Dukes Show. Uh, good morning and welcome to it. Hump Day, uh, middle of the week. Uh, tomorrow is the final day of the week we'll be broadcasting. I will be off on Friday. Uh, taking my four-day weekend for the 4th of July holiday. So we will be off. Uh, the show will be on hiatus Friday and Monday. We'll be returning to the airwaves on Tuesday. So tomorrow will be the final show of the week. I'm just giving you the heads up on that so you know. Second of all, if you haven't had a chance to go out and check out my Facebook page to take a look at my swag, we put together a special limited run of T-shirts and mugs and everything else. Today is the last day. I will be touting, totaling up all the orders and the stuff where people say they want stuff. And uh, I'll be placing the order tomorrow for all the good services and stuff that we're going to be getting. Uh, so we've got uh, Michael Duke Show beard t-shirts. We've got the 6 o'clock club t-shirts. We've got coffee mugs. Uh, we've got, if you're a Common Sense Core member, we got some of those as well. Just go over to my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. It's the top post on the page. It's pinned to the top there. You could take a look at all the t-shirts and everything else and, and just say, you know, send me a message in Facebook or or post a comment in the chat there or in the on the post there to say that you want a t-shirt or a mug or whatever. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I make three or four bucks, I think, on something like that. So it's not like it's a huge moneymaker, but I want to get people out there 
you know, I want to get people out there, uh, uh, you know, repping the show and spreading the good word and gospel of common sense. That's what we want to do. Uh, so go check those out. Today is the last day. By 5 or 6 o'clock tonight, I will have shut everything down and I will place that order tomorrow. So today's the last day. If you haven't had a chance to go over and look at it, facebook.com slash Michael Duke show. And you could see all the T-shirts and mugs and everything else that you can take a look at. All right. Uh, second hour of the program. And uh, we're looking forward to this. Ben, looking forward to this. Our guest today, as usual on a Wednesday, is uh, the one, the only, the indubitable Mike Shower, uh, who calls in from an undisclosed secret location to give us his thoughts on everything that's happening. And he joins us right now. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Indubitable. That's a big word with a lot of syllables. I know. I know. I don't even know what it means, but it sounded good, didn't it? I mean, indubitable. <laughs> uh, good morning, sir. What's uh, how's 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 uh, how's life treating you on the off season? Oh, it's it's busy. You know, it's, it's busy. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know, form. It's amazing to me how much can go, how much work builds up just around your own house. Oh yeah, and yard being gone for four months to catch up yeah. to everything what maintenance you're, wise what you're saying is you have a honeydew list from hell is what you're saying oh it's a big list yeah it's a big it's, list it's, it wasn't top gun it was long but distinguished <laughs> exactly <laughs> um all right mike well uh i guess let's get started i want to give you some free reign today so i'm probably going to give you the last couple segments to just talk about whatever you want to talk about but in this first one let's uh let's take a look at a couple things um i mean first and foremost um uh, the governor's budget. Let's go ahead and talk about that because I'm, you know, I'm a little confused by some of the maths that they're using on their releases and press releases and things like that. And Donna has been giving me kind of a running commentary on some of the things that she's got. And so far, it doesn't really look like 400 million in cuts. I don't know if it was cuts to the increases. I don't know. I haven't had time to dissect the whole thing yet. But have you taken a look at this yet? And give me some uh, thoughts on on the vetoes that occurred or didn't occur. Let, let's get your take on it. Well, staff just started, we just started going through it yesterday, obviously. Um, so we're looking at numbers and trying to figure out what we have, how much was, you know, uh, vetoed out. There are some things stand out so far, like, uh, you know, I was hoping that we would have vetoes for those legislators that voted against the statutory PFD. So in my case, um, you know, I even got a, honorary standard uh news article you know one legislator hopes the governor will you know veto you know those people that voted against the supersize you know big mac pfd you know whatever um because they hate it so much because they got to make sure it goes to their government cronies so um i noticed there's a few uh legislators and districts and i would these are at least a couple of them are the old guard that did not have big projects vetoed in their districts. So, and they voted against the PFD, right? Um, by, by voting against that, you know, it's consistently they're they're these couple, you know, were part of the, the standard crowd that always votes against it. Um, you know, the the thousand dollar reasonable and sustainable PFD, which, by the way, my opponent says, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, so, uh, there's that. That's just a couple that stand out that I would hope that, you know, and I had said this very clearly at front. I said, look, for those legislators that voted against, you know, the PFD, and I'll give you an example like Josh, you know, Reback, he voted for 
the deal that I worked out, I was actually the guy that worked it out <laughs> with Donnie Olson and a, and a couple of legislators, and Revac was there, um, to get the extra money for uh, the road projects, the infrastructure in the Matsu that Stedman has, you know, consistently cut out, you know, because he punishes everybody that doesn't do what he wants, um, but with money. And uh, the port money for Anchorage, which we obviously need because, you know, most of our supplies come through there. And the deal for the port up in Nome, which the DOD and the Fed government is putting a lot of money into because they really want that. But we had to put up a certain amount, you know, to, to match. Small amount, in retrospect, that's what it was, right? So it's part of making that, uh, that deal up. But then, um, you know, then Revac voted against the budget because, well, it's too big. I'm like, you just voted for a several hundred million dollar thing for your city. <laughs> And now you're going to vote against it. And it was interesting because Gary Stevens had come up because they, they just they're so full of disdain in certain things. He came up when I put in a I put in a fifteen thousand dollar, I think, um, amendment. It was the first one I did. And it was for fifteen whopping thousand dollars for this one year for the shooting sports so that the shooting sports, SCTP stuff, you know, trap and skeet, that kind of stuff. That a lot of kids can use to go off to college and compete in the Junior Olympics, et cetera. Fifty thousand dollars, you know, because it was somehow left out of the budget. And it passed. Well, no, before it passed, we took an at ease. I don't even know why it was so contentious. And Gary Stevens watched it. He was like, if we put this $15,000 in the budget, are you going to vote for it this time? I'm like, really, Gary? Wow. You know? And then these guys, you know, we had hundreds of millions for projects, you know, for things that, you know, one-time ad capital, right? Because we have the money this year and things that we need to do. And, oh, well, I'm going to vote against that. Wow, I mean, did you go over and ask Josh <laughs> if, if right. he's going to vote for it after he gets several hundred million dollars for his port in his city? Right. You know, of course, they don't. They don't ask that, right? Just me, you know. For you know, well, I voted against you. It's anyway. So, um, but there were several legislators that voted um, uh, against the PFD, um, you know, and then still some of them voted for the budget, some of them voted against it overall. Because remember, Stedman did his little deal. And he combined them all. And when you combine all those budgets, you give us no option. One of the deals we had, Mike, coming into this um, that was not honored again was that everything would stay separate so we could have the battles, right? right, right. We could have a separate battle over the PFD and vote up and down on whatever it was. We could have a separate battle in the cap bu capital budget, amend it, do whatever, vote up or down. Separate budget, you know, or separate vote on the operating budget and make amendments to it up or down. Well, that didn't happen again, right? And so it was all or nothing. And that's where a lot of people, when they talk about, well, that legislator stood on his principle when he voted against it. Well, that means he also stood on the principle of, you know, well, I support the PFD, except I'm going to vote against it, right? Um, you know, does that mean, or I'm going to support this and not support that, or capital budget's really important, but I'm going to vote against that too, or whatever it is. You know, it was unfair in the sense that it was put together as one big package, right? Because right. you don't get a chance to go, you know, hey, I want the statutory BFD. I think it's important that we follow the law until and if we ever change it. I think it's important that we do capital while we have money because we're behind. Um, but I, I don't know that I would have supported the operating budget. I think it's too big. And I made, you know that, we talked about it. I, put, right. I think I alone put in like $1.7 billion of cuts. Almost all of them, maybe one small one made it. Everything else failed, right? You can't sit there and say, I'm not trying because I am. Um, but, you know, they failed. And so 
um, I would have liked to have seen the operating budget smaller than what it was. Um, you well, know, there's some important <laughs> things in there, but I couldn't get them in. Right. Because people vote for them. Well, and this so, is where it really fell. It, that chance. This is really where it fell on the governor, right? I mean, this is part of his duty, part of his, you know, part of what a lot of you were hoping would be the stopgap measure was that the governor, because you couldn't get Correct. him through in the committees and you couldn't get him through on the floor, the hope was the governor would go through and cut out some. But again, it was, I mean, he says $400 million in cuts, but I know Donna and I were talking uh, off air and, she, you know, so far she's only counted up $100 million in actual cuts to the budget. We're talking about a 144 billion dollar budget now a lot of that's some federal monies and everything else but still yeah. the highest state budget in history seven point something billion dollars in state spend i mean you would hope that he would have cut a little bit more or at least like you said at least targeted against people who were you know who were antithetical to the to the pfd or something but it just seems like this whole thing is kind of go along to get along well my point to that mike was that if these legislators, like certain ones, the old guard and a few others that were so, this is not fiscally responsible. Um, okay. There's As some- I told you a month ago, I said, then you say the PFD is too big. You say this is too much capital probably because you didn't get any of it or didn't not enough or you weren't happy about the deal. As Stephen said on the floor, I, I, I should vote against this because I, I want some more money in my district. Well, you know, maybe you should negotiate better. So, you know, those legislators in my case and in other districts' cases, you ripped tens upon tens of millions of dollars out of my district and out of the hands of the citizens I represent when you voted against that budget and you voted against that PFD, right. um, whether you're in the House or the Senate. And so I looked at it and go, you know, Governor, you stood on your ground of a full PFD. Then you should balance the budget on these legislators. So this was fiscally irresponsible. It's too big. It's too this. It didn't have, it didn't have what they wanted, right? Right. Um, and in essence, you know, in a way, it kind of sort of takes away their their mechanism for forward funding of education, with how the the PFD did work out and all that. So if they think it's too big and whatnot and voted against it, then I look at the governor and go, that's fine. For those of us that support the PFD and the capital infrastructure spending that we need and pretty much a full budget then balance it on the backs of their districts. Don't balance it in the backs of the districts of those who supported those things. Balance it on, they're the ones that said it's too big. They're the ones that said it's not fiscally responsible. Balance it off of them. That's what they wanted. Give it to them. Give it to them with the red pen. Right. Take it away. It makes sense, right? I mean, to me, that's where you should have taken it. And the few of them that I have seen so far did not have stuff vetoed out of their district. And so I think that honestly, a lot of it's the standard politics. Well, I don't want to piss this person off because next year they're going to come back. Then I'm going to have to work. You know, I guarantee that's at least a part of the process, Mike. And I will say, I understand that. I don't necessarily like it. I would rather, I think you play hardball, but I understand at least sometimes that people are playing a longer game. So you have to do that at times. Um, you know, but I still think it is a reasonable position to veto money out of the districts of those legislators who voted against a full statutory PFD and or made all of those haughty comments during all the debates for those few days about how it's not fiscally responsible. It's too big. I think that's well, that's where you focus. 
Right. You focus on taking other districts because well, they said it was too big. The irony, I mean, the irony was so thick in uh, in the room when these guys are yelling about fiscal responsibility and the budget's too big and everything else. Where were these people as we spent $16, $18 billion dollars yeah. out of our savings? Right. They were nowhere to be seen. The same people were completely, you know, they were different people at that time. It's crazy stuff. I do well, have. I, I made that comment on the floor, Mike, and I've made that a thousand times, but I made that exact same argument again, as I do every year. To that that very point, fiscally responsible. Now, one of them stood up and talked about. Remember the constitutionality. I think that was Hoffman. I was unconstitutional doing this. I'm like, really? You guys just did this for the last seven or eight years, Hoffman. Right. I said that on the floor, and I had alleged legal and alleged finance piece of paper with me showing that. I had them look at the numbers right. and talk about it. Oh, that's per- yeah, perfectly legal. Yeah, they've done that every year for years running now. Yeah. But they stand there and go, this is unconstitutional. No, it's only unconstitutional when you don't like the result. Exactly. Otherwise, exactly. you do whatever the heck you want to do, and you have. Well, I got one more question for you, but we are up against the break, so I'll ask that question okay. when we get back, and then we'll give you free reign to do whatever the heck you want to do, because that's because that's why it's my show. Uh, Mike Shower is our guest. We're going to to, uh, take a quick break and when we come back we'll have more with him for the shower hour of power the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio we will return with more and mike shower right after this message uh, this these messages this commercial break back with more right after this Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, Mike Shower is our guest um, in the uh, the chat room. Um, I love somebody who complains all the time, but is here anyway just to complain about everything that's here, but is still complaining. Um, what else? Huh? Is, huh? What? Yeah, what? Huh? <laughs> say what? what? Say what? Yeah, say what? Uh, I love it when people say this is all crap, but I'm still here listening to point out how I think this is all crap. Okay, great. Well, you know, great. Um, a well, little, what, what, what's the, what's the crap? Yeah. I'm, apparently. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. I, I hate to even engage at this point. A little over 760 million total vetoes in summary, but some of the vetoes will and may have sources that will fund it from someplace else. We'll be able to flush it out in the next couple of days, says Naresh. All right, so, I, and again, I think that's the thing. We, it's hard to just take a budget from one day and then figure out all the little nuances of it. Um because you know it, it's convoluted, and 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 as it is typical in typical politician fashion, uh, they can always say, "Well, it's the bottom line is that we did this." Um, and though technically you may have done whatever this is, my favorite one was I don't know fifteen twenty years ago when a legislature got up and said, "We cut." I can't remember what the number was at the time. $200 million out of the budget. Look at us. We did all this. And when you look at it, no, what they actually did was they cut to the proposed increase to the budget. The budget was still oh, yeah. actually increased <laughs> by $150 million, uh, but But yet technically they're right. Because the proposed increase was three fifty, they cut it down to one fifty, and now they say they cut two hundred million dollars out of the budget. They just forgot to put the word "proposed" in there, and yet people buy again. It's 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 
it's politicking and wordplay, and it's all crap. That's exactly right, Jimmy. It's all crap. Uh, and that's what we're facing right now, Mike. Well, I mean, look, unless people are engaged and knowledgeable and taking the time to research, um, you know, what's going on, which most people don't, I get it because they're living life, they're busy living, working, doing whatever, um, or you have a press that fairly reports on those things, people just aren't going to know that, right? I mean, who other than the odd duck has time to sit there and go through this stuff? And not many people do. And so how would the average citizen know that when some politician says, well, we've reduced the budget $200 million, unless the press person that's interviewing them, so they get the word out, goes, well, no, actually, they only cut $200 million out of the $350 million increase. The average person doesn't know that. And so they don't see it. And that's yeah. why it's that simple, because there is a system here. And if it's the, unless it's a person the press doesn't like, well, then they'll highlight that. Right. right. Yeah, they'll do so. some investigating on that. Just no investigating on anything else. They're just paraphrasing press releases at that point. They're just they're not really doing the work. Yeah, that's talking necessary. points. Yeah. And, and and most of our media leans left, and so they go with the message that Chuck Schumer and you know Maxine Waters and those give them. They don't you know, pair the message from anybody that would be on the other side. They just don't, unless it's a negative one. Right. You know, and as soon as there's a negative thing, well, then that's highlight front page. You know, I mean, how dare the Supreme Court? you know, execute its authority to get rid of the, you know, rights for abortion. I'm like, what right? And I was reading the, you know, uh, article by Ben Shapiro and he's like, well, um, the second amendment <clears throat> that the left seems so you know eager to get rid of actually is in the constitution. It's a right. It's enumerated. It's written right there in the paper. Uh, abortion is nowhere to be seen on that paper, but they created the right. Right. So, you know, I just, that's my point about this, not to get into that particular debate other than to say, it's like, you know, it's funny how the press drives the narrative, right? Well, we're, this one is a, you know, they took away a constitutional right. What right? That well, doesn't exist in there. They created right. it. Exactly. And that's what the court said. The court says there is no right to it. This is something that should be decided by the states. Anyway, yeah, uh, hot, hot, hot steaming mess. That's what we're dealing with right now. Um, I, we're going to come up here in just a second. We're about 40 seconds out, but I'm going to I want to dive into the and this is tangential to what you were just talking about here. I want to talk about the con con now, especially in light of the Roe v. Wade decision and what that's going to mean. I already see that this is potentially going to be overpowering any other discussion. Uh, on the Constitutional Convention. And I've, actually, I think it actually makes it a little more hazardous because that is going to be the focus of much of this as well. Uh, hold the line. Um, uh, Mike Schauer uh, is going to be with us. We're going to continue here, The Michael Duke Show. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Hit subscribe on YouTube. Let's get to it. Here we go. Okay, uh, we are continuing now. Uh, Mike Schauer is our guest, uh, state senator from District E, soon to be District R. Oscar. 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 I know. I, like Ooh. I said, I keep com complaining because I just get all the districts down. It takes me ten years to get all the districts down, and then they change them again. Um, Mike, uh, I want to give you your reign here, give you free reign to do what you talk about, what you want to talk about. Before we do that, I know you've been a huge proponent of the ConCon. 
Uh, you've been talking about how that potentially is going to be your biggest push, uh, is pushing for a constitutional convention because you feel like it's the only way to be able to ensure a full statutory PFD and a spending cap and election changes, retention of judges. There's so many different options. But now, of course, with the decision of Roe v. Wade, um, we're already seeing talk now in the papers and everything else about how this is going to have to go to the concon and, and now the whole conversation, no mention of that. There's a couple different articles about the potential for a convention, uh, in the ADN and a couple of the other papers and not a single mention about the PFD or spending or budgets or anything else, which of course was the initial push for it. What, cha- what do you think changes here? What do you think this does? And does it make it, in my opinion, I think it does, make it a little more hazardous? I'm still supporting a constitutional convention, but I think it definitely makes it more hazardous um, because there will be whole special interest groups out there right now that will be pushing for the CONCON that weren't pushing for it before, specifically to change it for the Roe v. Wade stuff, and we might get steamrolled and some of these other things. But what what is your thought on it? Well, first of all, Let's think about the numbers of people that you see when you when you have a narrative that is pushed by the mainstream press in the United States, then often it is being pushed while it may be important to some. It's not on everybody's mind. Right. So the first thing I would caution people is you think this is the number one issue and every single American is up in arms. I would say most Americans are still busy working, living. Not yep. too worried about it. Some of them are yep. excited about it, happy about it. Some of them well, the polls showed that. The poll, I, I hate to interrupt you, but the polls did show after the leak, when the decision was originally leaked, that's what everybody thought. Oh, people are going to be, this is going to be the hot, this is going to be it. And then they started running polls and figured out that it's the economy, stupid. People, although point. it was on their radar, they were like, that wasn't even in like the top 10 things that people were worried about. People were worried about the economy. I know. And that's my point, Mike, is before people get too spun up about it, is that the mainstream media will make it something, right? They'll try to make it a hot potato because they want to take that special interest group, that small subsection of society, that's the loudest about an issue, right? If it's not that, it'll be something else. It'll be, though, the the border fence. Oh, it'll be orange man bad. It will be something that they will spin people up on because that sells, right? If it bleeds, it leads. They've got to have some cause to rally the troops around, Mike, all the time. Right now to be Roe versus Wade. Maybe next it'll be gun rights when they try Maybe next it'll be whatever, right? There's always something that has to fan the flame. So I am cautious about saying that's going to be the issue and everybody's going to come out. I'm like, why would they be excited about that in Alaska anyways? Honestly, Mike, think about it. Our court, the Supreme Court of Alaska, has already said abortion's a right. Another right pulled out of thin air. They've already said that. The courts already have said abortion is legal, a right, can't take, you know, whatever. They already got what they want here in Alaska. So why would you go and actually take the chance in a constitutional convention of having something that would line up with what the Supreme Court says? I actually think it would be more dangerous potentially for those that are that want to have abortions than those that are against it. Because right now, our courts have already cited on the the pro-abortion people. Um, So, one, I think it's not as on the minds of as many Americans as they're making it out to be. So I don't I think it's still, as we discussed for the Constitutional Convention of, of those that are afraid of portions of it, it's still what I call a niche issue. I still don't think that's the issue that was going to drive a bunch of people to a constitutional convention that's going to drive a constitutional convention and those delegates to do something. Because I think it's not the most important issue. I think they're going to be looking at the PFD. That's the number one seminal issue in the state. It really is. It's the economy, right? It's those kinds of things. And I'm talking not necessarily con-con, but 
just what's on people's minds. I look at places like California. I was just reading yesterday. They just uh, one county, like in Hollywood, West Hollywood or something, voted to start defunding the police. And yet the businesses and the, and the local population overwhelmingly has said no because crime has risen like 137% in the last year. <laughs> They're like, no, but now we're going to defund the police. Right, right. Uh, I don't think that's what's on your constituents' minds, folks. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about crime. They're worried about the price of fuel and the price of food and commodities. They're barely getting by. I think that's what's on people's minds, Mike. When they can barely afford to pay their bills, or maybe they're not now and racking up credit card debt, I don't think what's going to happen with abortion in a constitutional convention is really on the forefront of their minds. Right. It's on the forefront of the minds of Planned Parenthood and all the federal money and the, and the tax dollars they get. It's on the minds of those people that that's a very important issue to. I would argue that's a small subset of the society, and most people don't care about that, and it's not a big issue. And I go back to that same kind of thing, these smaller niche issues that everybody keeps worrying about. Constitutional convention is dangerous because we're going to have all these things happen. They're going to take away this or do that. I don't think they are, Mike, because I think the delegates are going to go there and go, that's an niche issue. There's not enough people worried about it, right. and they're just not going to do those things. And I know some people disagree. That's fine. We can respectfully disagree with each other. I just think that I go back to the base, like you had my questions and you know in late last year i crossed that line i realized with this legislature and the people that we send even as we put new legislators in because all of them except four olson hoffman stedman and stevens are the only four legislators left for, since 2005 every other one of those 56 seats has changed hands and over half of them have changed hands in the last five six years or so right and yet we still get the same result Special right. interests still run this state. So you are not going to get something done on the permanent fund dividend and protecting. You're not going to get the spending cap change that's currently in the Constitution. You're not going to get those things through this legislature. It's not going to act. Right. That's what pushed me across the line, Mike, to go. The people need to do it because well, two of the things <clears throat> that were key issues, and I'll, I'll be done, Two of the things that were key issues in the fiscal policy working group that I was a part of, Mr. You know, my point of view, he hasn't done anything or whatever. Um, two of those things were the constitutional spending cap change and protecting the PFD and the Constitution at whatever rate is decided upon and being done with it. This legislative body with the leadership so-called on both sides, House and the Senate, never even looked at it. Right. We're not going to do it. And those two things are the constitutional changes required to put us on that sustainable path. That's why I cross the line to say that's the only way it has any hope of getting done. Well, and conversely, if the whole issue is the economy, stupid, then the the things that we're talking about in the Constitutional Convention, like the spending cap and like the PFD formula, they will have a direct effect on the economy. So maybe the people will vote. Like I said, I'm not I'm not I'm still in favor of a con con. I just wonder how much uh, how much of a skew will be happening because of the Roe v. Wade stuff. Um, I, we'll, well, we'll have to I, wait and see. So. How much of a skew will be happening might because of the Second Amendment stuff. Right. Well, that's right? true, too. I mean, you got yeah. to, so, you know, maybe that pulls out the other side. There's yeah. your balance. Yeah. I'm worried about those people coming out. Well, I'm not, a lot of people are worried about what happens with the guns. Yeah. Maybe we maybe we come in and we do some stronger protections than what we have there. I mean, so, you know, we can make that argument on all sides, which is why I show a lot of caution here, because I would argue there's a lot more Alaskans worried about their gun rights than worried about abortion rights by a lot. Yeah. 
No, I would agree with that as well. All right. Well, I want to give you the give you the floor here. You got about half this segment and the full segment there at the end. Uh, so what else? What else has been on your mind, Mike Shower? What else do you want to talk about? Uh, I know you mentioned something about your opponent in his PFD position and some other things, but what do you, what do you want to hit on? Well, first, let me finish answering the question from the first segment. We haven't finished. <laughs> <laughs> never got there. Um, I haven't finished looking at the budget yet, but we have started. So we're tearing through it. We'll take a look at it. I will be, I mean, let's be frank. There's nothing we can do about it at this point. Um, it's, it is what it is. It's done. Um, I just, you know, have to see if has the, how much was vetoed and, and where was it vetoed and where does that leave us? Um, you know, but that's, that's the reality of it. Cause now we all want to know, right. Um, based on support for people and, and those kinds of things. So we'll see. Uh, and I'll let you know in the next week or two, we are able to, uh, analyze it. We'll see where we are. So that was just an answer to that question. And, and, and I want to point that out that, you know, it's, it's great. You know, people can be upset about things or happy or whatever, but not much to be done at this point. You know, what, what has happened at this point is transmitted the governor and he did his thing and that's it. So right. uh, I will say I am interested to see when he's going to declare um, payment for the PFD. And I got to be clear about that, Mike. And people said, oh, we got a $3,200. Well, we should have had a $5,500, you know, a full PFD plus some payback. We should have at least had a $4,200 PFD. Thank you, legislators that voted against it. Um, and there were Republicans too, not just Democrats. Um, and that would have been nice. But let's be frank about what it really is. Because there were so many Democrats in the House and a few folks in the Senate that cannot stand to have a statutory PFD at any point, whether we can afford it or not, according to them, because believe me, this year we can afford it without one penny of deficit spending, right? right? Then um, you have this this mindset that they are so scared of setting that precedent that we just can't do that, right? But it's not even the $3,200 that we ended up with, right? Um, being the largest PFD we've ever paid is relevant because it's not a $3,200 PFD. It's a you know twenty four hundred dollar PFD or twenty five or six or whatever the final number was, plus a six hundred fifty dollar energy payment because we can't say PFD, right? That, that's just we don't want to say PFD. We don't want to set a precedent. We don't want to. We don't want people to be disappointed. I believe one legislator said, you know, "Right, right, my exactly, yeah, full exactly. PFD. yeah." Uh-huh. So it's not a thirty two hundred dollar PFD, right? But let's also be clear. I've got people out there crowing about how I co sponsored this and I got you that. I'm like, no, you didn't, folks. I put the Let's be honest, Mike. I put it in. Me. I did it. Nobody else. I put that amendment in. That's mine. I took the heat, right, from the press and from certain legislators and others. Right. Because it was important to my district. It's important to a lot of people. So the statutory PFD that was in the budget until it was voted down and changed over the course of a week while special interests and lobbyists came down in force to twist legislators' arms and turn them from a yes vote to a no vote because they did. We had a statutory PFD, Right. We had a $5,500 one in because David Wilson had put in um, the energy rebate thing in the Senate side. And then when I put my amendment in for a full statutory PFD, that's what jacked it up to 5500 from 4200 Now, we both know that what was going to happen, as with the word on the street, the legislators were nervous about that number because that's just too much. And they went over and they had negotiations with the governor of the course of that next week while lobbyists from big unions and everybody else flooded into Juno. Chambers of Commerce. Over that five or six days. Yep, yeah. yep. The Chambers of Commerce, the rest of them that are so against it because they got to get that government money into their hands. How dare we give it to the people? It belongs in the hands of people that know how to spend it, <laughs> like Chambers of Commerce and big unions and big business. 
People don't know how to spend their money. Mike, how uh, dare them want money in their bottom line? Good Lord. Come on, people. So we know that the governor was going to um, probably veto or, or however it came out that energy rebate portion, but it would have ended up with a $4,200 PFD. I could have at least been reasonably happy with that. Why? Because that's following the law. The amendment that I put in, the only one that did it was me, um, was for a statutory PFD. It passed, uh, which I still to this day am, surpri am surprised by, but it passed because Von Imhoff wasn't there. Um, and it passed on a 10 to 9 vote. Had Von Imhoff been there, it would have failed on a 10 to 10, and it would be a, we would have, let me put it this way, we would have started negotiating for the, the payment this year from um, 2450. That was their plan. The, the House was going to, the House Democrats were going to come in with a, you know, a thousand or $1,100 PFD, or maybe they had energy thing or whatever they were going to come up with. And then the Senate was going to go, well, you know, it's, it's got to be less than 2450, you know, because we're, we have to negotiate with the House. That was their statement. Heard it on the floor. Anyway, so that's that's one thing to be clear on. It's not a statutory PFD one. It's not a it's not even all a PFD two because the you know they're saying well you know a portion of it's a you know an energy rebate. So don't buy that hype either, folks. You didn't even get close to a statutory PFD this year. And like I talked about last week or the week before, you know, with the percent of market value um, plan that we have, um, that five percent, it's you're you're never going to see a statutory PFD with this government. I go back right. to why one of the reasons I support a constitutional convention. You're never going to see it. You're just going to complain about it. If you don't vote for a constitutional convention and take that chance, because like I said, folks, look, you've already lost your government. Don't tell me about the risk. You, there, you've already lost it to special interest. That's who runs this state. Lobbyists, special interests, big unions, uh, big business, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They run it. You don't. Why do you think you're not getting a full PFD? Because that's where the money's going, folks. Why do you think you didn't get it this year for the first time in years when we had excess money that we could use? You didn't get it because special interest came down and ruled the roost. They came down twisted arms. So if you don't do it at a constitutional convention and you vote no for one because you're afraid of X, Y, Z, don't complain to me in years future when, you, again, you don't get a, a statutory PFD because yeah. they're simply not going to do it. But, uh, but going back to the statutory formula, you know, there's never going to draw the fund down, Mike, because the, the PFD payments go up and down based on the performance of the fund. The reason the PFD is so high, because the fund's been performing, sell of unrealized gains, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So be it. So that's a lot of what I think people need to understand with where we are with that battle and why, you know, one of the reasons I'm willing to take that risk on that constitutional convention. Yeah, you know, hey, let's get it done because it's it's you're not any worse off, in my opinion. And I think there's other things are niche issues. So we already talked about that one. But I thought it was important to, to highlight those on the budget coming out. Yeah, because it's still not a full PFD payment. And, you know, they were trying to obfuscate the funds again. Oh, we're going to take it from the CBR. We're going to take it from the SBR. We're going to take it from this. Everything other and anything other than doing it like we always did for almost four decades of simply taking it from the earning reserve account, according to the formula and being done with it. So anyway. it's just, it's gamesmanship at that point for sure. Uh, yeah, all right, Mike shower, our guest, we're coming up on the last segment here. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will continue with him. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke show continues common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. We'll return with a final segment of the Shower Hour of Power up next. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this.
Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, in the chat room, uh, Mike Schauer still with us here during the break. Pamela says, Dozer's been my senator, but with redistricting, how do I find out if he still is? I'm assuming you can contact the Division of Elections. They've got to have a new... Um, yeah, they do. You, you could you could find out in your precinct, you know, call call Dealey and find out and say, hey, I live here. You know, this was my district. What is it now? And they should be able to tell you somebody. Yeah. Bye. You can look in the redistricting maps and you can go to the, the final maps, too, and you can find, you know, you can get fidelity. It's hard to do, but you can you can go expand them. And you yeah. can look and see what the district lines are and where your your street is. You, you can, can do that. Zoom, it's a little yeah. more archaic, but you can do it. Yeah, you can zoom down in those maps, the big maps. You can zoom down to the street level and see exactly where the cutoff lines are and everything else. Yep. You can um, do that. It, it's interesting because uh, because you're right. All the words are, oh, you're getting a $3,200 dividend. You're getting a $3,200 dividend. The actual dividend, and Naresh points this out, is $2,550. Which is the statutory? That's all, that's just over half of what it should be. The statutory dividend would have been forty two hundred. That's what you proposed, in Amendment seventeen. Forty two hundred plus a thirteen hundred dollar energy assistance payment. Instead, what we got was twenty five fifty and half of the energy assistance for six fifty. So yeah, thirty two hundred is not the dividend. It's not even close to the dividend. Yeah, it's really funny. Somebody told me that Kelly Merrick's out there saying, I got you the $3,200 dividend. Like, Kelly, you're the one that put in the thing that we were going to have the half funded from the, the the normal you know process that was along with the other $2,500 for the actual PFD and the other half coming from the CBR. That was her idea, as I understand it, which is why it failed and you got even less money. Not only did she not give you the PFD, so-called, in her benevolence, she actually caused you to lose another $650 per person because she proposed to have, well, half of it come from the CBR, which she knew going into it, Mike. This is the great, one of the great lies, right? Because most people don't understand this. She knew that required a three-quarter vote. The chance of getting a 75% vote in each body was basically zero. Right. Going into the final vote, which meant it wasn't going to be a thirty-seven, thirty-eight hundred dollar PFTE, which at least was pretty close to statutory. Oh, it was going to be the thirty-two hundred dollars because she knew. Right. The whole finance table knew it. Well, how do I know that? Well, Kowski told me. He's like, shoot. He's like, yep, fix then. Yep, they got half of it from the CBR, so that six hundred fifty dollars is gone already. No way we're going to get a three-quarter vote. We barely got the the majority vote to pass what we did. Right. Right. So no lies, Mike. Just lies, flat out lies. For a lot of this stuff. Uh. So, eh. Uh, the fund performed because Walker kept millions of dollars in the fund over his tenure that had historic returns to the fund. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, the fund did perform better because there was a higher amount in it because of the monies kept and, and left over. But those monies were gutted out of the economy, out of the private sector. And those monies could have turned in the private sector. Again, billions of dollars could have turned in the private sector and done even more for the state rather than just, you know, bolstering the size and value of the fund. That's not something to admire, in my opinion. That I don't know who said that and why they would say that because, quite frankly, Mike, it's irrelevant. Bill Walker broke the law. That's what matters. If Bill Walker thought we couldn't afford to do it, then he should have proposed changes to the law. He didn't bother trying. He just did it himself and violated the law. And a year and a half later, after Wilikowski filed suit in the court 
against it. Then the, the, the activist judges we had came and said, well, no, it's the legislature. You can pretty much do what you want. So then they basically gave top cover to breaking the law, which since then the legislature pretty much said, well, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Great precedent <clears throat> set, right? So, no, it was wrong because Bill Walker didn't follow the law. Right. That's step number one. Number two, Mike, that money doesn't belong to government. That money belonged to the people in accordance with the law. So I don't follow that logic, nor do I buy it, because what Walker did was wrong. And he turned this state upside down politically. Right. No. He's put us into gridlock with what he did. And you're not wrong to say that money sitting in the fund does what? Just grows? Woohoo, that's great. That Except only that only benefits government. Private, that only my point. Yeah. It would have pri- it benefited private sector. And private businesses and individuals. And oh, by the way, if there was ever a time in the last couple of years, as I have pointed out so many times on the floor, radio, et cetera, et cetera, that we needed to be taking some of our savings, so-called, and put them into the hands of the people would have been the last couple of years right. during the impacts of COVID in 2020 and 21. And now the impacts to a terrible economy and rising fuel prices and commodities. My God, I mean, people still want to just hold it. Yeah. Hold it. No. I don't. No. No, no. You spend it when you have it because you need to. I would agree if everything was smoking hot, we still had a great economy. Inflation was low. You know, the price of fuel was two fifty a gallon or whatever. Then we could have saved more of that money and put it aside. The yeah. reality is that's not where we are, Mike. The reality is people are not getting by. The reality is people are, you know, when it costs $200 to fill up your fuel tank, I don't know how people are surviving right now. This is the time you use <laughs> your money. I know. I pass every time I'm on the Glen Highway. I'm getting 38 miles to the gallon in my little Mini Cooper. Still cost me 65 bucks, 67 bucks to fill it up. I these guys drive by me in these big trucks, and all I can think of is how can you afford to do that? Two hundred dollars to fill your gas tank. It's insane. Absolutely insane. All right, we're coming back into it. Here we go. Final segment: The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share. All right, welcome back to the uh, program. Final segment, Mike Schauer, our guest. Giving him a little bit of free reign here in the final segment to talk about, well, what he wants to talk about. And uh, we uh, bring him back on now. All right, sir, this is it. Gloves are off. The doors are open. The gas pedal's yours. Where, where, are, we, where are we going? What, what's, what's on your mind? So let's think about, let's leave some thoughts here, Mike, on, on not just the negative stuff. Because, you know, I hear, you know, that one person, oh, it's crap, and we're talking about whatever. I get it. But that's because that's what we do, right? It's politics. People are upset. Nothing happens the way they want it, especially with this crowd. You know, your your audience, by and large, is kind of, you know, um, smaller government, you know, uh, all those kinds of things, right? And yeah. Pretty much principally aligned with where I am for the most part, I think, on most issues with your crowd. But let's talk about the things that people hear. Well, what's your plan, Mike? You know, what's the uh, – well, let's talk about it. First of all, part of my plan I would like to see is constitutional convention for reasons we've illuminated. I believe people should vote yes. I believe it's worth taking the risk. I'm going to continue to work on that and hopefully get people to vote for it so that we go in there and give it our best shot and see if we can make the changes that I believe this legislature with the special interest hawking helicopter parenting over the legislature is never going to happen. So that's number one. Number two, we need a fiscal plan. We need must have long term 
a solid fiscal plan that makes this state both sustainable and stable so people and businesses will invest here, will stay here. Um, and we know that moving forward, we will have that stable environment for growth, economic growth. Because quite frankly, Mike, at, at the end of the day, the, one of the primary ways we could get out of the mess we put ourselves in is economic growth, right? If we have that economic right. growth, that provides the base we need for so many things, right? right? So that's, that's, first of all, we have a plan. As I pointed out before, we just had a plan that the people that were in leadership just aren't interested in because it's not their plan. That's not what they want. They want it to be the way it's always been, Mike. And I say, that's not going to work for us. We need to have a stable plan that works, that balances the budget, that keeps a cap on spending, that does something with the PFD that makes it so we never have to argue it again. Thank you, Bill Walker, for putting us here. So that's number one. Number two, we need an energy plan. We have got to figure out a way long-term what we're going to do, both with oil and gas, because that's around and going to be for a long time. But what about you know rural Alaska and other places, right? Whether we look at hydro, like the Watana Dam, we're so afraid to build anything anymore, but we need to be working on it, folks. We need to be working on energy, low-cost energy, because we go back to economic growth, how these things all tie together. Well, that needs cheap energy. So building things like hydropower, Watana Dam, other places, small nuclear, Get over it, folks. We need to be looking at it because the new small, tight, you know, five to eight-ish megawatts, some of them are bigger, plants aren't the big three-mile islands in Chernobyl. That's not how it is anymore. These are small things the size of a semi-truck that could power rural Alaska microgrids for 15 years, right? Um, and so they're different. They're safe. Look at liquid metal, how they shut them down if something happens. There's a whole thing I've been looking at for years. And the DOD is looking at them too, Mike, because when you go to a place like Afghanistan, Iraq, and other places you deploy, you'd have instant energy for the grid you create. You don't have to bring in, you know, millions of gallons of diesel on the cost and environmental impacts, blah, blah, blah. Right, so that's, right. you know, but that's just one thing. Wind, geothermal, all kinds of other stuff. We need a long-term energy plan. State doesn't have one. So that, that ties in together with all these other things. We need to be looking at crime stuff still here. We're not done. Right. Remember, we talked about this. We need I've been asking this rhetorically since we repealed, which I will put back into. Have I done anything? I was a major part of that. Remember, Shelly Hughes and I were the two that did the conference committee to finish out the repeal of SB 91, get rid of that silly thing. Um, crime's not done as far as the rehabilitation side. The one thing that was never added was rehabilitation. We're still throwing the book at people, which is great. I'm all about throwing the book at criminals and making sure that hey, you do you, you do the crime, you, you do the time um, that needs to be strong. And robust, and people need to know. Come to Alaska, you're going to jail if you, you know, this, this isn't <laughs> right. a three shot state partner, right. three strikes like other states like California. Go back there. We're not doing that. Hell, they're quite frankly, Mike, they're more draconian on crime than we are in right. a lot of ways. Right. Um, but there is a side to that that can capture some percentage of those people that end up in that lifestyle and bring them back, especially on the drug side. And that's rehabilitation. We've never done it. We haven't finished that plan, and that still needs to be done. So Department of Public Safety, Department of Corrections, sorry, folks. I mean, we don't want to spend money. We want to cut the budget. That's one area we're going to have to spend money on. It, crime's a problem. It affects so many of us. That's a plan that we need. That's something we, that's the, we have to deal with that, right? We can't just sweep that under the rug and, and ignore it and say it's not there, you know, because it is, and we have to do that. Right. So those are three big areas, in my opinion, that we need to be working on a long-term plan and in some cases, we have those. We have rehabilitative pieces we've been working on. They're there. They haven't passed. We have various fiscal policy plans that they're there, and we're working on them. And just we need people that that will show up in the legislature that will help us pass them. We have our office has an energy plan on things we can do, but we need people to come together. We need the ferry, right? We need a ferry. 
We have a lot of Alaskans and villages and, and, and towns that, that live that it's hard with air travel or nearly impossible. So we need a good ferry system, but the one we have is not efficient. It's a 1950s model. We need to move past it. We're working on it. Working with Rob Myers and others, even Jesse Keel, I mean, he's a Democrat, there's a Republican, because we need to do it. We need to have small efficient service, you know, like they're doing in uh, the southeastern Alaska. I forget that one. I always get it wrong. It's a small company that's doing it, and they're 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 making profit and turning it with smaller smaller boats, smaller ships, and and providing the service that is needed. So, their infrastructure, Mike, we're behind on what's our what's our infrastructure plan, right? To make sure that we're staying ahead of, as opposed to being nearly a decade behind on spending money on roads, bridges, ports, and airports. Those are things we all use and need. Um, and we're behind. Look at the Matsu. We're so behind. Bill Walker, he vetoed tens of millions of dollars out of the Matsu because he hated us so much. I mean, parochially, he made it sure it went to other places, but not here. And yet we're the part of the state that's growing. How do you justify that plan? So there are a lot of things, Mike, that we need to work on. There are a lot of plans that are available. If we could get the right legislators in and the right people in the legislature and the leadership and form caucuses that would actually function and work with the governor as opposed to opposing each other all the time, then we've got options to do it. You know, so all right. there are <laughs> options and things on the table, Mike, that will work, that we need to do, that are so critical to this state to finish these things up. And, and it's not that we're starting from scratch. A well, lot of it's there and available. And these things are going to require certain things like having the right people in leadership. Less than two minutes now. What's the possibility um, of uh, seeing a Mike Shower or a Shelley Hughes uh, in uh, in the finance committee this go around to see if we can set up some of these things? Well, look, first of all, I have to get reelected because now I have an opponent. So there's that. <laughs> so unfortunately, as opposed to being able to help, you know, key races and make sure we get like Roger Holland back and not Kathy Giesel and, and other places like, you know, David Nelson, as opposed to the Democrat down in that parts of Anchorage. So the first thing is we've got to get some of these people, including myself, I guess, <laughs> reelected or elected to get them down there that are willing to look at some of these policies and plans um, to make them happen. Uh, so that's number one. And then number two, depending on who goes back, um, we need to have the ability to form 11 and 21 in each body that would be under solid conservative, Republican, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, um, control that are interested. And remember, it started, think about it, Mike, started in 20, I'll make it quick because of time, but in 2018, it was me. By myself right in the senate i'm out by my little lonesome by the end of that year it was shelly had joined me because she got out of the caucus all the trouble there was two and then the next year there was a couple more at the end of that election cycle and then this last couple of years now there's more so one group shrank and one group's grow and i've heard somebody say well here's isolated himself i'm hearing that from a certain somebody up here in the mat suit the funny thing is my group's growing it's getting stronger yeah and, that's... and the old guard is getting smaller so don't tell me i've isolated myself yeah. we're we're well, slowly getting there. That's what right? we need. That's what we need. We need more of you, less of them in that regard. That's my opinion. Out of time, folks. We got to go. Tomorrow's another day. Be kind. Love one another. The Michael Duke Show. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, you long-winded bastard. Um, <laughs> That's how I take up your program. Mike. I'm just Otherwise like, like I say calls. Let me be sure what to say. I know exactly. I say 90 seconds. You're like, yeah, okay. So I got five minutes. Let me just get into this. Um, all right, fine. <laughs> you created me. I did. You created you, the monster. You, you are you a freaking monster. All right. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So you, you final thoughts here. I give you. I give you the. I got. I got time now. Now we're not up against the timer. Final thoughts here as we wrap things up. Um, and you're coming back on next week. I guess we should get that out of the way. 
actually, we have to talk about that. I'll talk to you offline. I don't think I may be because I may be not here. Okay. So All next right. week might be a tough one. All right, we'll talk about it next week. But give you final thoughts here. Go, go, go. So, go, go, Gadget. Yeah, go, go, Gadget guy. Yeah, I know. The, the thing I'm trying to tell people, Mike's look, is first of all, we got to get either reelected or elected. The people that are going to go down be willing to look at those policy things we were discussing in the last segment. That's number one. Number two, once we get there, we got to figure out how to negotiate this and make sure this time Charlie Brown, the football, is not pulled out by Lucy like it has been every time before us. Oh, I promise you, this time it's going to be different. This time I'm going to pull the levers of power. This time if I'm president or coach here or whatever, it's going to work. Well, we got to make sure that this time we have somebody that is going to be there that's actually going to do it. Because in the five years I've been there, it hasn't happened. First year doesn't count because I was just a, you know, add on at the end, whatever. But the, the next four have, and we've been, you know, broken promises every time. So that's step number two. You got to get everybody down there and then form those coalitions and have a fiscally, um, you know, conservative, you know, pro PFD, all these other plans, these policy plans, et cetera, people. So that's 11 and 21. That's going to be a struggle. And then got to see who's going to be at the governor's office and hope that's somebody that's going to be willing to work with all those bodies. And then finally, we're going to have to put all these things forward and get them through both bodies quickly, get it done, and and then see who we end up with, you know, as far as in positions of leadership to do that. If I'm there, I think at this point, six years into it, yeah, I mean, I, I need to be in some position that's going to actually have authority this time because I'm tired of getting, you know, having the, the reign of diesel or somebody else on top of us and nothing happens. Right. And and they fight the governor and fight us and yeah. we're split. So I would plan on certainly being in some kind of a leadership role. I think I, I've earned that at this point from the sense of where we stand and, and where we are. And we certainly need better representation in the sense of people that are willing to go down there and make those decisions and bring up fiscal policy, working group solutions, and other things that we haven't touched. Right. right. Well, and if we so, have a strong governor like Charlie Pierce, he's going to need somebody like you in there in leadership to help format some of these full fiscal plans and long-term strategies and everything else. That's what I'm saying right there. Uh, I know you got your plug in there. My point, Mike, is that the bodies, the House and the Senate, need to be under real Republican control, not thrown under the bus by somebody like Kelly Merrick, who sold her soul to the Democrats just to have power for her union boss husband right we need to make sure both bodies are controlled by people that want to solve the problem then the right people in leadership then whoever the governor is without going down that path because i'm gonna have to work if i go back to whoever it is whoever the governor is now hopefully we're all aligned enough to work together is mike we could have a budget done and be out there in 90 days we could right the mo from the current people that have been in charge of the budget for the last four years well part of it's to slow it down they don't want it done, and they want to shove it through at the very end and do all the stuff we've seen every time. That's part of their MO, modus operandi, right? That's how they do business. So things need to change. We need to do them differently. But if we don't elect the right people, well, it's not going to happen. If we don't have a constitutional convention to shoot some of these things, we're not going to get the constitutional parts. We're not going to get 27 and 14 to vote for these things. They're not going to do it, Mike. They're not interested in it. That's why I believe we need the constitutional convention for those things. So there's your plan. There's the steps that have to happen. The question becomes, are we going to do it? Are the people going to get involved? Are they going to stay angry enough this time? Are they going to help good good people either get elected or reelected? Are they going to work for them? Are they going to, you know, are they going to donate to their campaigns? Are they going to knock doors? Are they going to make phone calls and text? Or are they just going to sit back and complain about it? 
Right. And people always ask, what can I do? Well, give them these options, but we never get help. Right. Now's right. the time to step up if you really mean it. If you really believe it, now's the time to step up and make it happen. And by the way, if you do that, you can certainly hold them more accountable. Yeah. Because if you volunteer in somebody's campaign and do stuff and they don't take your phone calls, but you look at them go, next time, I'm giving it all that help to your opponent. Exactly. Right? So, exactly. That's what keeps people real. All right. Does. Well, Mike Shower, um, enjoy yourself, my friend. Have a... Uh, have a good uh, have a good Fourth of July weekend. Um, I'll put you on hold here and be right back to you. Uh, all right, folks, we are out of time. We got to fly. Tomorrow is the final show of the week. Yes, I get Friday off. I'm going to sleep in. We will see you tomorrow. terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show